as conference play moves into full swing for all the conferences around the area, big schools to small schools. We're now three weeks in, heading into week four. That playoff picture is starting to take shape. You can kind of get glimpses, Mitch, of kind of where we're headed, but, you know, still a lot to uncover here as the season moves along. Yeah, if, we, if we're painting a picture, we might be in our first sort of brushstrokes here. But like you said, we're, we're starting to learn more about some teams. Um, and some of the teams that we cover are really positioning themselves well. Even though it's early, they're, they're really setting themselves up here for the, the remainder six weeks. Mitch, you, you are, a, you are a, an artist with a masterpiece waiting to happen. So let's, let's jump into it. On the Bob Ross of our times. <laughs> Talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome into View from the West podcast, the podcast covering Illinois high school football on the western side of the state of Illinois. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong, joined by the Bob Ross of the western side of the state of Illinois, Mitch Stormer. <laughs> Mitch, how, how the heck are you doing? How, how, how's things going here? Uh, you know, it was it was busy. We had a, we had a busy Friday. We had a busy weekend uh, with, with all the girls in sports and such. So, you know, we're, we're a bit in recovery. We had to go out for a polar pop here late. But, you know, that's the dedication we put into this podcast. So, um, you know, looking back on, on Friday night's action and even some games on Saturday, um, kind of like we talked about in the cold open, we're starting to, to learn more about these teams, right? Week one, you don't learn, learn everything. Week two, you kind of look for similarities, um, and it's certainly by week three, you kind of get an understanding of what teams look like. And based on what other teams look like, you can almost start to predict how the rest of the season is going to flow. So we certainly got into that, certainly learned more about some teams um, in this week. But, you know, the teams that, that we've been talking about who have had really good years so far just keep on rolling. Yeah, I think that we've seen, you know, some teams that we had some expectation for are living up to that expectation. They're they're living up to the billing so far, but there's challenges down the road. Some of them coming this week. We'll talk about it. That's this is where it gets fun. You know, you you got a lot of there's still a lot of separation to be had. And who's gonna move up to the top of these conference standings? It, you know, now that every team is into conference play here, it, it's gonna be really exciting every week because it's those it's those matchups that that mean a lot. Yeah, and I would say that this is where the rubber hits the road, but uh, in our podcast, this is where the brush meets the canvas, Greg. Absolutely, absolutely, Mitch. You're a you know you're the painter, and the masterpiece is waiting to be to be drawn up. So here we go. Let's get into it. Before we get into all of the action, we want to thank our sponsor at Breedlove Sporting Goods, Western Illinois' premier sporting goods store for uniforms, apparel, equipment, awards, and online team stores. They provide all the same sporting goods services that the big nationwide companies do, but with a faster turnaround and their uniform pricing is a fraction of the cost you might be used to. They offer name brands such as Adidas, Under Armour, and Nike, and are extremely responsive with any inquiries. With the primary focus on the western side of the state of Illinois, Breedlove Sporting Goods is the fastest way to outfit your team. Check them out on Facebook or at breedlovesports.com. Or contact Cal Breedlove directly. Shoot him an email at calbreedlove at gmail.com for more information. 
We're going to look back at week three that was in the Western Big Six, and we start with a game that we kind of thought was the marquee matchup, and it lived up to the billing, lived up to the hype. Geneseo gets the 24-21 win over Moline. This is the first time the Maroons, first time, first win over the Maroons since 2009 for Geneseo, and it's the first time since joining the Western Big Six. So this is a big win for Geneseo. Mitch, tell us how it all unfolded here. Yeah, I watched this one um, for the most part on, on Friday night. The, the connection got a little, a little rough in the second half, and that's really when a lot of the action started. But um, I was able to listen to the audio of, of this game from Grant Dahlstrom. So, yeah, this this one lived up to the billing for sure. It started with some big plays. Um Early on, I believe it was the first drive of the game, Geneseo's Jaron Neal, 41-yard touchdown, just sprinted right past the Maroon defense. But the Maroons weren't shaken by that. They followed it up. It, there was a key 50-yard pass play uh, from sophomore Drew Phelps to Xander Ely that would go on to set up the score to tie the game. But this was this was a, a Jaron Neal type of show, uh, or show type of game. He showed his breakaway speed again. Later on in the half, he had an 89-yard touchdown run that was just short of the end zone. They would go on to score. Moline would answer back. It was 14-13 at half. Uh, Geneseo did hold the one-point advantage. A.J. Weller scored. Moline would tie, Moline would tie it up in the fourth. Uh, Elijah Taylor found Xander Ely again with about 10 and a half remaining. But um, it, it came down to a key Geneseo drive that got down to about the 10. It was a fourth and one with under 30 seconds left. They send out Braden Coombs. It's a 27-yard field goal to put Geneseo up 24-21, and they would go on to get an interception from Jake Raps. That's really sealed the, the victory for the Maple Leafs. And as you mentioned, um, a historic victory, really, for, for Geneseo, um, even in the short history of them joining, joining the Western Big Six, but for their first win and what's that 14 years over Moline. It's a big stepping stone for this Geneseo program that we, we have high expectations for this year. And they took that first step into uh, to making that uh, there on Friday. Yeah. I think, you know, obviously this is a big win for this Geneseo program. And I think when you start talking about the fact that they had not beaten Moline since they'd been in the Western big six, that really shows you that this Geneseo team isn't kind of where they want to be year in and year out. You know, they, they were down a little bit the last few years. And this was a group that we kind of looked at and thought, if there's going to be a turning point, this group could do it. They're experienced, they're talented, and they, they showed it on Friday night. I think it's a huge win for this program. It's one of those games that we pegged as kind of an X-factor game when you thought, who's going to make that step up closer to the top or the, you know, right near the top of the conference. And Geneseo made that first move. A lot to be played out yet, but they made a, a great step in the right direction. Well, they, they seem to be getting better every week, right? That they're, They had that first week game against Chicago Noble, which we knew we weren't going to learn a whole lot about. Uh, they come back in week two. They get that redemption win over Gray's Lake. They looked good doing that. And then again, here we are in, in week three, another stepping stone on their season and, and a big hurdle that they over were needed to overcome. And they certainly did that. So Genesis seems to be improving every week. I really, I think I'd probably say it every, every week. I really like what they do on offense, but that defense is only allowed 28 points this year. That, that ranks second only behind Quincy. Um, so yeah, Quint or sorry, Geneseo really has things headed in the right direction here so far. Yeah. Interesting to note that in the preseason 
preview form, head coach Larry Johnson Jr. from Geneseo, he said that he had so he thought that their special teams, their kicking game could be really strong this year. And here yeah. we are, three weeks into the season in the first Western Big Six game, and it comes through in the clutch when they needed it. Yeah, and I think I think Brayden Coombs is a soccer player for the Leafs. So, and it, we we always talk about this, right? We talked about it in the Morrison game a couple weeks ago. To have kind of a secret weapon type of player, um, or or a, a kicker who is capable of making clutch kicks, not just long kicks, just clutch kicks, is such a vital weapon for teams throughout the season, and certainly when you get into the playoffs. So, um, Geneseo certainly uh, in this in this game showed why that that's that's so crucial. Yep. On the Moline side of things real quick before we wrap up, man, I really am excited about Xander Ely. He's come up yep. huge for them so far this year. That's that's a great – they don't pass a lot. They don't really need to pass a lot when their offense is being really effective. But, man, it's a nice weapon to have. If you could put him one-on-one, he's going to win a lot of those battles. Yeah, and they, they played two quarterbacks on Friday. They played sophomore Drew Phelps, and they played Elijah Taylor. And in the first half, I was really impressed with uh, with how Drew Phelps threw the ball. We talked about that 50-yard pass. So, yeah, you know, a, a tough start for, for Moline, right? Um, sitting at one and two with Quincy coming in. I'm sure that's not where Coach Morrissey wanted. But um, you, you see things that you like. You, you, you know, you, you've got Pablo Perez there running the ball. He scored um, here on Friday night. And you've got two quarterbacks that are capable of leading that offense. So still working out some kinks there in Moline, but I, I do like what I've seen. Um, I like what I saw on Friday night and I, I expect them to continue to get better. Yep. For Geneseo, uh, you said Jaron Neal had a big game. Final total numbers were 137 yards and a touchdown. So, um, you know, great game for him. Great way to lead this Maple Leafs program to the win. Let's move down the road to East Moline. Sterling gets the win 23 to 19 over United Township. It was a Sterling interception in the red zone with under two minutes left to play that would seal the deal for this one. Close one throughout, obviously. Um, for the Panthers, Matthew Kelly was back at quarterback for United Township. On the opening play, rough start for the Panthers, though. Sterling recovers a fumble when as it falls into the end zone for a touchdown. Kelly would find a stride, ran for 44 yards to tie the game 7-7 in the first quarter. He ended with 100 with 100 yards rushing and a pair of touchdowns. He also had 64 yards passing. On the Sterling side of things, Mitch, we had a little uh, a little history, at least tied for Sterling. Three Ryan Gebhardt field goals ties a school record for field goals in a game. That obviously ends up being a huge factor in this one when they win 23-19. So um, great effort by Gebhardt and the special teams for the Warriors coming through clutch. Yeah, I mean, I just talked about it in the last recap, right? Having a kicker who's who's able to do that can really make a difference in a game. So, you know, this was a game that if, if you take out that first play where it was a high snap that Sterling recovered and you take out these field goals, this was a game that United Township probably could have won. So, yeah, it, it's the little things like that that can add up to a lot. So, um, three field goals in a game, you don't see it a lot. And certainly in the long history of Sterling football uh, to tie a record like that. Uh, yeah, great performance from from Ryan Gebhardt. Yep. Uh, Chris Ward and Kale Lettergerber had touchdowns for Sterling when they were finding uh, finding the end zone that would help them go on to victory. 
Let's move into Quincy at Rock Island. The Blue Devils get the big win, 41-7 to over the Rocks. Quincy quarterback Braden Little continued his stellar season. He threw for 298 yards, three touchdowns, including two long scores to Aiden Byquist. Good to see Byquist in there getting some, yep. um, you know, big-time play, big-time game action here. Jureus Rice, again, we call his name every week. He ran for two scores for the Blue Devils. They moved to 3-0 in the regular season. They're 1-0 in conference play. On the Rocks, you know, for the Rocks, uh, you know, QC Sportsnet had a great write-up. And I do, I want to give a quick shout-out to QC Sportsnet. Mitch, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but, you know, we've talked a little bit about how, unfortunately, the sad reality we're facing right now is there's not as many sports reporters to go around, that these newspaper staffs are getting cut yearly and it seems like we're really feeling it this year more than I real more than I remember in years past but I want to give a quick credit to QC Sportsnet for the games they cover the Western Big Six games Rock Island Moline and United Township they're doing their own little write-up basically a newspaper article and I think it's really great it's it's helpful for us I want to thank them for helping us out giving us a little little information that we need and just for fans in general to be able to go somewhere to find an article written up is great yeah, and, and uh, as I said during the uh, the Moline talking, I listened to their broadcast. I listened to Grant Dahlstrom. Um, yep. I listened to the audio broadcast of the Moline Geneseo game. So, yeah, they're doing great stuff. Uh, really appreciate what they're doing. And great to have that vehicle to provide both either a stream, just audio, or, uh, again, at this point, it's weird to say that even a write-up is, is going a long way, um, yep. you know, let's see AI do anything that QC Sportsnet is doing. So, you know, yeah, we appreciate all the hard work that they're doing. Love to see them doing well uh, and, and growing. So yep. yeah, kudos to them. So their write up on QC Sportsnet mentioned that the Rocks offense had their best passing game of the season, that junior quarterback Javion Clark Pugh throwing for 133 yards. And it really, you know, what was mentioned in the article looked like the offensive line was picking up some Quincy blitzes, really allowing Clark Pugh to have some extra time to really get the passes out where he needed him to go. Amari Overton led the receivers, seven catches, 66 yards. So if you're a Rocks fan, I'm sure that you're, you know, frustrated and I'm sure that it's, you know, disappointing to see the start, but you got to be hopefully encouraged by maybe there's some signs that the schemes are being picked up that this Rock Island team is showing improvement. Yeah, I, I thought we we thought that the last week in week two when they played Dunlap uh, really yep. well. And Dunlap's, Dunlap is still undefeated. So I think we'll learn more about Rock Island here in week four with an, a, an interesting matchup with with Newman. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that could give them the opportunity to get their bearings straight because we've, we've seen flashes in every game. Certainly that week one game against Manuka is tough for anybody, but – um, starting to, to, to put it together. I think coach Fritz, um, I, I think it was, it was Dazzo who was talking about it. You know, it, it's a slow burn to, to put in your schemes into a brand new team. It's going to take a while. It doesn't, it doesn't change overnight. So, um, if, if they can continue to make small steps, I think it's going to play big dividends in the future. But I think here in week four, they have that chance to really take a, take a few steps forward in their development. Yep. One more game to cover in the Western Big Six, the non-conference game in the schedule. Galesburg falls to Indian Creek in Indiana, 35-14. to Kenny Ward had a fumble recovery for a touchdown. 
Gino Williams also had an impact in this one. He had a rushing touchdown as well, but it wasn't quite enough. The Silver Streaks fall. They have not hit conference play yet. They're, this was their non-conference game to fill that Allman slot. So they will start conference play in the Western Big Six this week. We'll get right into it here. Galesburg will be at Sterling. United Township will go on the road to Geneseo. Moline will be at Quincy. And the matchup we talked about, Sterling Newman, Central Catholic going on the road to Rock Island. Let's yeah. start there. This this <laughs> matchup is fascinating. And Mitch, you kind of knew about it a long time ago before it was ever yeah. official. There were there was a lot of discussion on Twitter about both teams have an opening. They're looking to fill that date. And you kind of saw it early on. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about before, you know, that this happens every year. And so we try and do our best to keep our ears open and, and maybe try and and match up some teams. And this was one that we knew that both teams had a week for opening. Um, Newman initially, and, and coach Lemay talked to me about this and now I'm going to forget the details, but I know that they had initially agreed with Galena and then that fell through because Galena has a week for opening. Um, and I, I think they might've had another one, but in the end, both teams were just searching for um, searching for anybody to play Newman, of course, with the, Open week because of Prue St. Bede leaving the conference. Rock Island with the opening because Rock Island Allman isn't fielding a varsity team this year. So I, I don't know that it's a matchup that either team wanted per se, but in the end, it's better than having a bye week. Even though that's a win, it's better than having a bye week to get your kids playing time and another week to improve. So, you know, a 1,400 student enrollment difference between these two schools. I'd be hard pressed to see another seven, eight team going up against a one, eight team. I don't know how often that happens. Can't yeah. imagine it's a lot, but you know, I think it'll be interesting because I, I've really liked Newman's defense this year and, and Rocky has struggled offensively, but so has Newman. So I think both teams are kind of going through the same growing pains. So yeah. will Rocky's speed, depth, strength, you know, over overcome. I, I don't know. I've never known a Newman team to fold in that sense. So I think this game will really be interesting. And, and of course it doesn't matter for any conference standings, but I, I am looking forward to this game for sure. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it just because it's such a, you know, contrast in sizes. You know, I do wonder if rock Island's depth will be a problem for Newman. Um, but yep. man, I think of anything going into this game, the strongest aspect of any of the teams involved is Newman's defense. I think that's the strongest asset that either one of these teams has going into it. So I'm really interested to see how they can perform against a Western big six team. Yeah. And we'll talk about it in a minute in their game recap, but I mean, they forced Princeton into four fumbles and recovered yeah. four fumbles. Yep. So if they can do that now, they need to, they need to capitalize offensively. But when your strength is your defense, like Newman's is, they're going to be in ball games. So yeah, again, as, as weird as this matchup looks like on paper, I, I think it's going to be a good game. Yep. You have uh, Geneseo looking to continue uh, their winning ways when they go or when they host United Township. See if UT can bounce back, try to grab a win there. Um, you also have Galesburg. Like we said, they're opening Western Big Six play. They are on the road at Sterling. So Sterling looking to, um, you know, build up, grab another conference win. And Moline going on the road to Quincy. What are your, what are your thoughts on this one right out of the gate here, Mitch? Well, we know, we know what Quincy can do offensively. They lead the Western Big Six in points scored. Um, I would be hard-pressed to believe that 
Braden Little does not lead the conference in passing yards. But I think what's been most impressive, and and Shuckman, Matt Shuckman had has talked about this, the Quincy defense is just so good um, that they've only allowed 25 points, which also leads the Western Big Six. Um, they've only allowed, and I don't I don't know how Quincy Notre Dame scored, but 12 is the most that they've allowed in three weeks. So only allowed a touchdown to Alton, only one touchdown to Rock Island. So we know what the Quincy offense is going to do. Is there a defense in the Western Big Six that can slow them down? I don't I don't know. But boy, their defense is proving to be pretty, pretty tough as well. So this is a Quincy team that really, really is rolling. Um, certainly to get the game at home, I think will help here. So yeah, for Moline, it's it's time to see if they can bounce back from this tough loss to Geneseo because it does not get any easier for them with Quincy. No, yeah, this is, you know, a huge matchup for them, considering that, you know, you just fell short to Geneseo and a tough one at home. Now you have to go on the road. You know, I still, I do like Xander Ely. I like what he can bring. Can, you know, can he be effective? Can their passing game be effective against this really strong Quincy defense? At the same time, you know, can Moline establish a run game? Again, again against a tough Quincy defense. I think those are some questions I have. And man, Moline's got to find some answers on the other side, right? For Braden Little and Aiden Byquist and uh, Dreas Rice and Tykel Hammers. Yeah, the whole, the yeah. whole lot of blue bubbles. There's so, there's just so many to cover. Yeah, I imagine Quincy's going to be ready to go. They're going to look pretty tough at home, but um, you know, see see what'll happen in that one. Well, Mitch, let's jump into the Three Rivers Athletic Conference. Bureau Valley gets the 18 to eight win over Spring Valley Hall. Cameron Lemons leads the way with 107 yards and a touchdown. Congratulations to the Storm grabbing the win now. I believe they're at two and one on the season. Yep. So good win for them. Mitch, did you have your eyes on this one at all? Did you catch any of this one? Caught a little bit of it. Certainly, uh, uh, you know, historically a pretty good rivalry game between the two teams. So yeah, it was it was a hard fought hard fought battle. Um, and like you like you mentioned there, uh, Cameron Lemons got his first, I think his first high school score um, in, in 107 yeah. yards. So in a, in a tough battle like that, you're you're going to look for anyone to step up. And and Lemons certainly did that for, again, a big win for Bureau Valley, who I have said before, I've been impressed with their, they're already eclipsed to their win record from last year. They were one in eight last year. So they've already <laughs> doubled their win total. So yep. Um, and they've got more winnable games on their schedule. So really like what Bryce Helms and the rest of that Bureau Valley team has been doing. Good defensive unit. They've, you know, in their two wins, they've allowed a touchdown in each game. So um, between between a pretty balanced offense and a pretty good defense, I, I think Bureau Valley is going to be knocking on some more wins here uh, going down the rest of the, the season. Yeah, and you mentioned it, that if it was Cameron Lemon's first touchdown, and I think it's huge to find that next weapon, right? We've talked a lot about Endress for Bureau Valley. We've talked about, yeah. obviously, Helms at quarterback position. But I think that finding another weapon there for Bureau Valley, that could go a long way. And, you know, making them multidimensional and making them, you know, someone a someone that's hard to cover. Yeah, and still not to, not to forget that they're a really young team. So they're only setting themselves up for success here. So a great win against Hall and a hard-fought battle. So you like to see that with a young team. Yep. Well, speaking of hard-fought battles, Mitch, Princeton bounces back. They get the 20 to nothing win over Newman. Casey Etheridge, 170 yards. 
But on the flip side, Newman's defense forced, recovered four fumbles. So yep. this is a Newman defense we've been impressed with, and they didn't come away with the win, but they, you know, they did some things to slow down Princeton for a little while in this one. Yeah, they absolutely did because uh, their third and final score came late in the fourth. So this was a 14-0 game for a long time. So uh, a lot of, of Casey Etheridge's, Etheridge's yards came in the first half. I think he was over 100 before halftime. Um, and that, you know, set the tone. They were 14-0 at the break. So, but like you mentioned, that Newman defense showed up in the second half. It's just now, as, as it has been all season, I want to see some more consistency from that Newman offense. They've got to be able to capitalize on, on fumbles like that because those were fumbles. I don't think all four of them were, um, but they were in Princeton territory. They were on the, the right side of the 50. So um, I'm sure those are comments that, that coach LeMay is echoing through his halls. They got to get some consistency in offense for, for Princeton. Again, they're going to want to shore that up. Um, they did have some misfires in the passing game. They, they had a couple of wide open receivers on one play. I, I mean, completely wide open in the end zone and it was an air ball. So um, for a Princeton team to bounce back is, is good. I still don't think they played their best. I think probably their best football of the season is yet to come. So, but this was a good start and a good win against a pretty, a pretty uh, feisty Newman team. Well, if your best football is yet to come, and you still have Casey Etheridge doing what he's doing. I think that's a good that's a yeah. good sign in general. But um, yeah, we'll talk more about Newman's defense going up against Rock Island when we get to the previews for next week. Obviously, we already referenced it a little bit, but that's a really intriguing matchup. Moving along, Kiwani gets the big win, forty-one to nothing over Mendota. Their second consecutive shutout. They remain unbeaten on the season. Big night for Braden Clark, Alex Duarte, Ben Taylor, Devonte Jordan. They all set the tone on offense. Mitch, this is a Kiwani team that, um, you know, we thought could, you know, have what it takes to compete in this conference. And they, they look to be right there. You know, that them and print that matchup with Princeton looks like it could be really big. It's a huge rivalry every year, but it could be extra big this year. Yeah. I said on the instant reacts that, you know, who would have thought three weeks in that Kiwani would have more points scored and less points allowed uh than princeton would but they they lead the mississippi in both of those categories so this has been an excellent start to the season for kiwani two consecutive shutouts um not predicting games here but it does seem more likely that kiwani might be undefeated by week six when princeton yeah. or sorry when they go to princeton and that could very well decide if princeton wins a sixth straight mississippi or not so um, really been impressed with with the Boilermakers, um, all the names that you mentioned, Clark, Duarte, Taylor, Jordan. They all seem to have big weeks every every single week. So um, certainly we, we know that Mendota is struggling this year, but I don't think that takes away from what Kiwani has been doing because they've been doing it week after week. So, um, yeah, another great win here. Well, you say there's potential for Kiwani and Princeton to be, unde- you know, for Kiwani to be undefeated heading into that matchup against Princeton. But Coach Pistol in Bureau Valley says not so fast. Yep. Kiwani goes on the road to Bureau Valley this this coming week in week four. We'll oh, get to that. Hang on. Hang okay. On. Yes. We missed we missed something. Tell me, um, how many rushing yards did Bureau Valley allow in their 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 game? Oh my gosh! Yes, we got the text from. It was uh, nine, right? Nine, nine yards. Nine yards. That's so, incredible. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to stick 
foot in my mouth, I, I might have to. But again, that Bureau Valley defense is really is really good too. So um, they have the weapons that that could slow down the spoiler maker team. They're, they certainly they certainly do have that capability because again, a Hall team that likes to run the ball um, to only have nine yards that's a really a really good testament to Coach Pistol and that Storm defense. Yeah. So we yeah we better we better check the brakes here a minute. We got we got week four to preview before we get into this big Kiwani Princeton matchup. So yeah. you know. Hey, they, we, we, we can't be guilty of looking ahead if we tell players and coaches not to, right? So, right. Yep. Uh, all right. A non-conference game for Sherrard. They get the win 24 to 15 over Warrensburg Latham. Big win for the Tigers. They were getting desperate for a win. This was pretty close game throughout. They come away with the, with the win on the road. Mitch, we talked in the beginning of the season about traditions, right? And before week one, and we talked about different teams that have a victory bell. I did not know that Sherrard has a victory bell. And WRMJ, Ty Taylor interviewed um, head coach Brandon Johnston and said that they did get back late, probably I'm guessing likely after midnight or later, um, from the Warrensburg-Latham road trip. And they still rang the victory bell out in Sherrard. There's not many like you know nearby uh, homes, so I think they're pretty safe to ring the bell and be a little loud after midnight there. Yeah. So no, no congratulations. Yeah, no one in no Sherrard's going to care anyway if they hear that bell that late. So that's right. They know, um, they know it's good no, things. So yeah, you know, and this was the first win for Sherrard, but they they've been in every game. Um, week one again, we just talked about how good Kiwani is. They only lost to Kiwani by a score. Uh, they only lost to Newman by a score against a really good Newman team. So. You've been high on Sherrard, I think rightfully so. Um, looking at their schedule, they got Rockridge coming up, but then they've got um, some other games here in the remaining five weeks that I think they they can win. So they're already uh, matched their win total from last year. So I think your prediction of them improving is certainly going to hold true. And um, yeah, this is this is a good team that plays hard, plays tough, is always in the game. So good to see them being on the winning side of this one. Yep. A few more games to cover in the Three Rivers. You had Rockridge getting the big win, 61-14 to over Riverdale. You also had Morrison getting the 40-14 to win over Orion. This is the game I was at. And, you know, battle of 2-0 teams. 2-0 Orion, 2-0 Morrison. Morrison coming off the huge win against Princeton. Obviously, we talked a ton about that a week ago. But... You know, there's always that slight chance for a letdown, right? Like you get that big win on the road, then you go home. Maybe if you feel too complacent, I will say Morrison had none of that. They looked very good on Friday night. On the opposite side, Orion grabbed an early 7-6 lead in this one. Orion was moving the ball downfield slowly. They were getting, you know, some yardage, nothing big. They weren't finding huge plays necessarily. They found a big touchdown pass but they were able to take that early lead, but eventually Morrison's speed just took over in this one. I, I saw Morrison once last year at the end of the year, and I knew they had a lot of weapons. They had a lot of speed and they had a lot of players coming back, but to see it firsthand this week, last week was really impressive. Deshaun McQueen, when he gets in open space as a wide receiver, he is elusive and he is fast. He is hard to track yep. down. You also of course have Brady Anderson, Carson Strading. Uh, Chase Newman, those are the names on both sides of the ball, on, on offense and on defense. And Mitch, how about Rylan Alvarado? 
This kid came yep. in after the game was kind of getting out of hand and he had a huge impact play and he's only a freshman and he ran away from the Orion defense. So they just got a lot of kids and a lot of speed that are, they're playmakers. Yeah. I, th- I think, you know, after this year, they'll lose Newman and, and straighting, but this is just going to have Alvarado and, and Anderson still left. So yeah, this is a team that's well-equipped not only this year, but moving forward. So uh, yeah, it's a credit to coach Vandermeid, you know, a first year head coach who is keeping his team in check of um, an emotional win in week two. And then you have an undefeated Orient team that's been looking good and to do what they did shows that this team is mature, maybe beyond their years. Um, and, and that is really going to put them in a good place here. Looking at their schedule, you know, you've got Mammoth Roseville coming up. Who's looking tough. You've got rock Ridge who is always tough, but this is a Morrison team that I, I think is going it, to, certainly going to go to the playoffs. There's no question about that. Um, I think they're probably looking at seven, eight wins. I predicted five, maybe six. So I, I am wrong on that because I do think that they will eclipse that prediction. Um, because as you mentioned, they just have so many weapons. They can give it to any one of those guys. And once they get to the outside, they're gone. And then you bring that same speed on the defense. It's really going to be hard for opposing teams to get in a rhythm. We saw that against Princeton and now we saw it against Orion. So it's not a fluke if you do it twice in a row. And so, yeah, Morrison is, is really, really looking good this year. I've, I've been so, so impressed um, with they, they've, they've put up 116 points. So what that's 38, 37 a game and averaging 10 a game. So yeah, this is, this is a good Morrison team. Uh, maybe, maybe an unexpectedly good Morrison team. Yeah. Uh, Mitch, I do have to give a shout out to uh, quarterback Bielema. He, he threw a touchdown pass that went right into my lens, man. It was beautiful. I was, I was shooting in the corner of the end zone and he just faded one back right, right into my lap, essentially. Luckily, I mean, someone was there to catch it, luckily, before it hit me. But uh, great touchdown pass, and I couldn't have been more grateful where he threw it. Let me ask you the, the, the pressing question here. Did you get a pork chop at the Morrison concession stand? No. Oh, my gosh. They smelled so good. And no, I, did. <laughs> I didn't. And I Okay, I needed. I should have checked to see if they take a card because I, I didn't have any cash on me. So that, that was a rookie mistake. That, yeah, that, that, that is a good point. Probably yeah. not. <laughs> so that was a rookie mistake on my part. I didn't have cash with me, but um, yeah. So, so, so thank you to, you know, Bielema for tossing one up right in my, right in my direction. That was beautiful. But I also owe an apology to, I'm not sure who it was, if it was straighting or Newman, but um, I don't think it was Anderson, but either way, the running back that scored on the second touchdown to put him up 14 or to put him up 14, seven, I, uh, I got to admit, Mitch, I got a little faked out. I kind of followed the wrong, kind of followed the wrong running back and he ended up being the lead blocker. And then I got out to the outside and I thought maybe it went way outside and I I missed it again. And then I finally caught it right as he was scoring. So that one didn't make the highlights. I had to, I had to leave that one. Yeah. Credit to a good wing T offense. The misdirection is key. That's right. That's right. That's, that's good for them. It's not, not great for my highlights. I had to leave that one on the cutting room floor, but uh, they gave me plenty of stuff to work with. So right all right one more game monmouth roseville 42 erie Prophetstown 14 tyler finnicum from monmouth roseville 131 yards and two touchdowns also peyton thompson 85 yards and two touchdowns as well that moves the titans to two and one on the season they're one and oh in their side of the three rivers division on the flip side this erie Prophetstown group they're struggling they're at zero and three 
They had a spark from Dimitri Larson. He had eight carries, 152 yards, almost all of it coming in two 71-yard touchdown runs. So clearly he is a spark for this Panthers team. But, um, you know, not quite enough on this night as the Titans look good. And, uh, you know, they are now sitting, like I said, at two and one. Yeah, um, good, good two bounce back weeks for Mammoth Rose after losing uh, pretty handily to Princeton there in week one. So, yeah, um, I just mentioned, I, I think that they're a tough game that remains on Morrison's schedule and uh, the way that they've been playing um, pretty, pretty tough defense, 14 points allowed the last two weeks. Um Playing Riverdale, we certainly know that Riverdale is kind of going through a growing year, so I, I expect Mount Rosal to be three and one heading into that Morrison game in Week Five. Yep. Let's run down the Week Four slate in the Three Rivers: Kiwani at Bureau Valley. You have Mendota going up against Hall. You have Princeton at Orion. You have Newman going on the road to Rock Island, which we talked about. Erie Prophetstown going up against Morrison. Monmouth Roseville at Riverdale. And Rock Ridge at Sherrard. That last one, that that's an interesting game here. Um, mm-hmm. Rock Ridge obviously building a ton of momentum. They get the win over Riverdale the week before that. They had gotten the tough road win against Ridgeview Lexington. Sherrard also riding a little bit of momentum. They come off the road win, you know, in the non-conference game against Warrensburg Latham. It's a Sherrard team that's been in these games. And a year ago, this Sherrard team jumped out to a 14-0 lead against Rockridge and couldn't hold on to it. So this is intriguing. Is is this Rockridge team, if they continue to play like they have, you know, the last couple of weeks, we've really seen some flashes of a dynamic offense that's going to carry them a long way. Yeah. Um, you know, they've, they've certainly figured some things out um, since only scoring one touchdown against Newman in that week one. Yeah. Now they haven't played the toughest opponents, right? Colfax and, and Riverdale are combined 0-6. Oh, I did not. Wow. I did not realize that Ridgeview Lexington's 0-3. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, the, but they, you know, they've certainly figured things out offensively. So yep. you like to see that. We know that they have the tools to do it. And, but again, going to Sherrard against a Sherrard team that likes to hang around games and now have found that winning, that winning, winning way. Could it be an upset brewing? Yeah, it could. Could Rock Ridge continue to, to do really well um on offense yeah i think so too so anything can happen in this one i think i think this will be a great game certainly um if rockridge wants to stay in the battle for the rock title this year certainly it, it's a must-win game and same for sherrard but yeah i think this is probably the most intriguing game of of the track or, yeah of the track for uh, i i almost called it the big rivers um, yeah <laughs> Uh, the, the track, this, 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 gosh, look at me talk. I can't even do it. I think this is the biggest game in the track this week. Um, Princeton and Orient is interesting. Uh, Princeton, a bounce back win has to go on the road to an Orient team. That's going to be hungry for, uh, uh, for a win. We've talked about Newman and Rock Island. I, again, doesn't matter for the conference, but I think it's just intriguing and a fun historical Illinois high school football matchup, right? That we don't, we would never normally see. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. So again, there's, there are intriguing games this week, but I think that Rockbridge at Sherrard will, will tell the most about either one of those two teams. Yeah. Mitch in every masterpiece, there are small blemishes that get, they get covered up and get, you know, become part of the painting. Right. So, so you're, you're good. 
You're good. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that that Rock Ridge Sherrard matchup. Yeah, I think that stands out. You you said it all. This Rock Ridge team, they're in their toughest stretch right now. You got Sherrard, Orion, Monmouth, Roseville, Morrison. You know, next four weeks. So this, mm-hmm. I think, is the toughest part of their schedule. And I think it starts right now with this this Sherrard team that's hungry to kind of you know flip the script a little bit on their on their season. It started you know tough so that you know see if they can get see who could come away with this one. I think it'll go a long way to determining where people where teams slot in this conference. And in, same thing with Orion. You know, you look at Orion, and we've talked about on the other side that Bureau Valley team and Kiwani. You know. This is one of those X-Factor type games. We've been impressed with what Bureau Valley does. Kiwani comes in as the bigger program in this matchup. And Kiwani's been playing really good football right now. Bureau Valley's got to continue to play that tough defense if they're going to be able to do something to slow down this Kiwani team. On the flip side, Kiwani's been shutting out teams. So can Bureau Valley find ways to, you know, puncture that defense and, and make some things happen? It's an intriguing matchup there. Several intriguing matchups along the way. We'll be watching. We'll be talking about them. Before we jump into the Lincoln Land Conference, Mitch, we're going to take a break. We'll thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Brink Sportswear offers totally custom made-to-order football uniforms that allow coaches and athletic directors to take control of their brands. The uniforms are available in sublimated and tackle twill. They offer free digital mock-ups, free shipping on team orders, and free physical samples before you buy so you know exactly how you're spending your program's money. Uniform sets start at $99 for sublimated and $120 for Tackle Twill. You can find them on Twitter or go to brinksportswear.com. View from the West podcast is also sponsored by the Cupcake Cartel, gourmet cupcakes that are made to order. Over 40 flavors, including wedding cake, lemon blueberry, strawberry milkshake, snickerdoodle, and Oreo. Perfect for weddings, birthdays, showers, fundraisers, or any event. You can find the Cupcake Cartel on Facebook. We thank them for their support. It's all business in the LLC, the Lincoln Land Conference. Let's get right into it. Macomb gets the win 38-12 to over Illini West. A good win for Macomb. But Mitch, it's kind of shadowed, um, you know, by some tough news out of Macomb. Three Macomb students were involved in a car accident over the weekend. Seems like it was pretty serious. So we are certainly sending our thoughts and prayers out to everyone out there in Macomb. I've seen, you know, a candlelight vigil they held the other night. And they must be playing in maybe in volleyball or something this week. And Farmington was encouraging their students to wear orange and black in support of Macomb. So Really cool to see that, you know, um, you know, kind of school spirit from both sides. But, you know, like I said, certainly, you know, our thoughts are with the Macomb community and what's got to be a very tough time. Yeah, football kind of takes a back seat when when things like this have happened. And, you know, uh, that's a great a great nugget on Farmington. You know, we, we love to see that the communities uh, can can come together for a common cause and, um you know, that's, that's what it's all about in the end. So yeah, you, you said it, that our, our thoughts are with the entire Macomb community and um, we, we, we wish everyone, everyone the best there. Yep. Let's move along in the Lincoln land conference. Knoxville gets the win 41 to eight over Princeville. Mitch, listen to some of these numbers. You had Nolan mm-hmm. McClay go for 240 yards and three touchdowns. 
Yep. He's part of the group for the Knoxville Blue Bullets that ran for 322 yards, six Ooh. touchdowns. Mitch, they were 0 for 3 in passing, but who needs to pass when you're Knoxville, huh? That's the good stuff. Yep. That's the good stuff. <laughs> that yeah, is. Now, now we're, we're going to talk about something very similar here in a minute. Yes. But, uh, yes. These, these are great numbers and as expected out of Knoxville for what this is our, our fourth full season, fifth kind of season doing this. Yep. Um, that's, that is almost every Knoxville recap we talk about. So yep. yeah, I love to see that it's uh, not only business as usual in the LLC, but also at Knoxville. You know, I think we could call Kiwani like the black and blue bullets. They, you know, the way they play physical football, that's that's a, that's a good nickname, right? I'm on to something. Well, it, it would be if we called them Knoxville and not Kiwani, as you suggested. Or, oh, I just blew the whole joke. <laughs> the Knoxville black and blue bullets. There, see? There yeah, there you go. <laughs> Man, can't believe I, I had it all set up and then I blew that's it. A, that's a good shirt idea if someone wants to send us some shirts. <laughs> that is a good idea. All right, let's keep going down the list. Mercer County gets the big win over Lewiston, uh, 47 to nothing. Okay, Mitch, we've been calling them Lewiston, but it's actually like a co-op or uh, I guess three schools. So like a triad, it's like three okay. different schools. I need to I need to know who it is. I, I should have looked this up earlier, but I did not. But um, um, yeah, it doesn't say anything on... I should say, but I think it's LVC. I that think. sounds right. And I might they might be like the know. miners, I think, which is kind of cool. Uh they are the Indians. Well, that's um, yeah, that's Lewiston or Lewistown. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, gotcha. It's Lewistown, Cuba, and Spoon River. There we go. Okay, so that used to be North Fulton. That was a there was a North Fulton oh, team, okay. which is now sure. kind of folded into this. So are they the miners? Do we know that? Have we figured that? I again, I just say has them down as the Indians. So does Max Preps. So I don't know. Okay. One, one of those other schools may have been the Miners. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so there you go. Lewistown, Cuba, Spoon River. All right. Well, thank you for the update on that. The information. Mercer County gets the win either way, 47 to nothing. Yep. Elmwood Brimfield gets the win 24 to 14 over West Hancock. Mitch, I'm going to let you take it away here. You, yeah. you had the notes this is, for this one. This is my favorite stat of the entire week. Series of stats for the entire week. All right. So in very Knoxville fashion, uh, the Trojans, Greg, ran the ball 84 times. Man. That's, yeah. one. That's number one. They ran for 421 yards. That's number two. Yeah. Number three is that they passed the ball a grand total of zero times. <laughs> I like your note. They passed the ball never. never. Like, <laughs> that's a very it's a very Lena Winslow-esque type of winning formula. Yeah. But this this game couldn't be more different because we've talked about Wes Hancock. We've talked about uh of their quarterback, yeah, Gravin Gravin Grothaus. So, in the very opposite fashion, the Titans ran the ball seven times for 12 yards. They threw the ball 57 times for 339 Man. yards. Grothaus completed 33 of those 57 passes for two touchdowns and an interception. So, um, I, I would love to see his stats versus Braden Little's. 
Yeah. Because uh, Gavin Grodenhouse has really put up, I think West Hancock's one and two, but uh, his stats have really been good. He can sling the ball, but in this one, the Trojans, um, they get the win, a nice win for them again, 24 to 14 on Friday. Yeah. This Elmwood Brimfield team now gets their first win. So they're one and two. Um, West Hancock falls to 0 and 3. But Mitch, you got to think that wins are coming for this Titans team, right? I mean, I just, Gavin Grothis looks to be, you know, looks to be really dynamic as a quarterback, as a, as a, you know, as a passer. You hope that they defensively can stick in some games and find some wins here. On the other side, great job for the Trojans. What, what an effort on the ground for them. Like, talk about, you know, black and blue, the ground and pound here. Great effort from the Trojans to grab that first win. What a what a contrast in styles. Very interesting game. Yeah, I, like you said, um, with, with Wes Hancock, they've been in all their games. They, they got beat up a little bit by Farmington, but um, they, they were certainly in their, their week one game against Hayworth, and Hayworth is, has been a pretty good team. Um, so, yeah, I expect Coach Dorothy to get back to their winning ways. Um it's a tough sled though, that they've got a really hard schedule the rest of the way with Macomb, Stark County, Knoxville, Mercer County. So um, I think that there's, there's some wins left in the season, um, but nonetheless, they, they can really, really uh, get through a defense uh, via the air. So cool to see a, a fun offense to watch. Yeah. And can, is there a chance that the Trojans can like top this effort? Run it. Can you run the ball more than 84 times? <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, and again, looking at their schedule, they've got four straight winning record teams coming up. So yeah. they're going to have to, you know, if, if, if you're capable of doing that, you're going to control the clock and that's how you win ball games. So yeah. Um, 84 times is, is a ton. So yep. um, if it's, if it's working for you, don't change it. So good on the Trojans. Yep, absolutely. All right. More big offense here. Farmington gets the non-conference win, 53-34 to over Tuscola. 560 yards of offense for the Farmers. Mitch, break it down for us here. Who Who's the names we're watching? Yeah, so Coach Vallis sent us, uh, sent us a DM. Um, 560 yards of offense for the Farmers. This this game had over 87 points and over a thousand, or sorry, it had 87 points and over a thousand yards of total offense between Farmington and Tuscola. Um, what Coach sent us was that Lane Wheelwright had 200 yards passing and 220 yards rushing. So, holy um, we've we've seen his name week after week. Um, Lord, uh, sorry, Logan Ut 150 yards plus. Uh, rushing so coach said his his youngsters are, are growing up they ran 40 plays Tuscola ran 78 plays they threw 44 times so um you know the the last two games we've talked about quite a quite a bit of contrast in styles um between opponents in two different games so a lot of exciting lots of exciting games here in the LLC this week yeah there definitely were all right, Roville Williams Field gets the 38 to 18 win over Monmouth United. Riley Danner, 219 yards, three touchdown passes. Two of them went to Lewis Sams. He had 121 yards. Uh, let's see, one went to Spencer Brown. Brian Bertelschofer had one rushing touchdown. Talon Hull had a pick six. 
Devontae Noel. Okay, yeah, tell me about this. You saw it. Yeah, so I was they had this game on on stream. And let me quickly let me say three things. It's it's Rova Williams Field. That's yeah, who would ever screw that up, Mitch? I, I don't know. It's certainly not the guy who runs our Twitter account. Um, <laughs> the second the second thing is that it it still is Rova Williams Field. And the third thing, Greg, I want to just emphasize is that it is Rova Williams Field. And I Good apologize that I I apologize that I habitually always say Rova and I do not always complete the sentence. So I will do my best to make amends to the Cougar fan base because this is the second consecutive year that I have continually done this. So, uh, but back to the whole pick six. Yes, it was awesome because uh, I, I think it was in the third quarter. I was watching this game on the stream and like, this was like the second play I saw United tried to run like this swing pass to the running back and, and Hull just, just smelled it out immediately. So you see him dart from the middle of your screen right in the middle of the pass and he was gone. So yeah, it was uh, it was really, really a cool play. Adding to that, Devontae Noel, who we've talked about week after week, had two more interceptions. He's now got five. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, and let's let's keep on the kicker train here. Cole Cole Miller was five of five uh, in his point after tries and had a field goal as well. So yeah, this was uh, another great win for for the Cougars. Um, against I mean a United team that was really playing well. Yeah. So when you're looking at um, you know, it was a battle of two and zero versus two and zero. I think United, you know, there's still, you know, plenty of games left on their schedule. They can grab some wins along the way here. And on the Rova Williams field side of things, you know, this this schedule, they they got some matchups they should win down the way. And I think that, you know, this is a great start for them. They they seem to be playing well in all three phases of the game. Yeah, offensively, they are leaps and bounds ahead of, looks like it's Anawan Weathersfield, but um, they've scored 114 points this year, and the next closest is 77. So, yeah, Cougar offense really, really has been has been good. Um, and I, I expect that as, again, we think that they will be right there with Stark County, with Anawan Weathersfield for this small side uh, division title. They're all playing really, really good football. And uh, this was another great week for the Cougars. Yep. Yep. Well, let's get into Stark County. Gets the 35 to nothing win over A Town. The Rebels are now 3 0 for the first time since they were the 2015 Class 1A runner up. So a great start for them. They shut out Abingdon Avon. Luke Rewerts had a couple touchdowns. Matthew Bowser, Chris Barnwell had a couple. They all scored in the shutout. Nolan Orwig led the way um, with 118 yards. This Stark County team is pretty balanced. They can be pretty balanced, um, you know, with running the ball with several different options, but also run pass. They can, they can pass the ball when they need to. They had several big, you know, clutch passing plays to, uh, Lane Jose in the game against San Juan Weathersfield. So when they need to, they can, you know, be dynamic and go to the air. But, low, you know, Luke Rewerts is tough on the ground. And then, the like I said, this host of running backs really kind of paces them. Yeah, I've been really impressed, certainly, with with Rewerts and this entire Rebel team. So moving to 3-0, and 
um, as you mentioned, first time in, in eight years or so, and that was certainly one heck of a year for Stark County. So, yeah, um, again, looking looking forward to how this season's going to shape up for, for this conference because we got a lot of good teams um, heading towards the, the middle of the stretch here, and I think we've got a handful of playoff teams that we're going to continue to talk about after week nine. Yep. A uh, couple more games to cover in the Lincoln land. Anawan Weathersfield gets the bounce back win, the nice win over Rushville Industry, 29 to 20. Zeb Rashid led the way with 140 yards and two touchdowns. You also had South Fulton. They moved to two and one on the season. They get the win over Havana, 28 to six. So Mitch, that wraps up the Lincoln Land Conference for this for last week. Now looking ahead to week four, Mercer County goes up against Farmington. That will be at George Pratt Memorial Field. You have Illini West taking on South Fulton. You have Elmwood Brimfield in a non-conference game against El Paso Gridley. West Hancock will go up against Macomb. Knoxville at, is it LVC? Sure. Well, <laughs> well, it would be LCSRV. <laughs> You lost. If you were going Lewis, Lewistown, Cuba, Spoon River Valley. Okay. Okay. Sure. All sure. right. <laughs> A-Town. A-Town goes on the road to Rushville Industries. Stark County goes on the road to Havana. Anawan Weathersfield takes on Monmouth United. And Rova Williamsfield goes on the road to Princeville. Mitch, I look at the, on the big side of things, I look at Mercer County and Farmington. Mercer County has that one loss, but they've been playing a lot better recently. Farmington's sitting out there at three and oh, and they've looked really good. So, and if you remember, Farmington went to George Pratt Memorial Field, I believe, in week one last year and got beat. So, you know, I'm sure they're motivated to go back and steal a win here. But this Mercer County team, I think, I think they've come a long way since week one. Yeah. Um, a really good defense. They've only allowed 27 points uh, this, this season. So that is the best in this large uh, division, but you're going up against Farmington who has the highest scoring offense. So um, two teams playing really good football. Uh, this will certainly determine, I think um, uh, it'll certainly move one team. You know, if it's Farmington, they stay at the top of, of the conference being undefeated, but um, I think this matchup will go a long way to determining who takes the title here. So yeah, this, this will be, this will be a really, really good matchup. I'm looking on the, on the small side at that Robo Williams field going to Princeville. We know Princeville plays tough. Um, always, always has a, a solid team. Certainly they, they got beat up a little bit by Knoxville here this week, but can the Cougars continue to play well on the road? I think will be will be an interesting challenge for them. Um, and on Weathersfield and Monmouth United is always a good contest. So yeah, this week three in the LLC has some pretty good matchups. Yeah, that Monmouth United team looking to bounce back against Anwan Weathersfield, who you know looked better last week in that win against Rushville Industry. I think you know you look at Princeville and they're sitting at two and one, but their two wins come against winless A-Town and winless Savannah. So yeah. it's it's two and one, but have they been tested yet? You know, they went up against right. Knoxville, who was a good test for them. And, the, you know, that, that one ended up being lopsided in favor of Knoxville. So I think yeah. that's something to look at there. You know, Stark County looks to continue to play at a high level. 
They got a game on the road at Havana, you know, focus one week at a time. This Havana team has been struggling. They're hungry for a win, but don't get tripped up there. If you're Stark County, I think they could continue to roll. Don't get caught looking ahead. Um, yeah, I think overall it's, it's that Rova Williams field at Princeville matchup. And yeah, again, that Anawan Weathersfield, Monmouth United. I think those are the ones that stand out on that small school side. I think a key point, too, they put it out on Twitter today for, for Rova Williamsfield is that Gage Aldred is back. They've been without him. So to have him back in the lineup on an already undefeated team, um, again, look out for the Cougars. Yep. All right, Mitch, before we jump into the NUIC, we'll take one more quick break and then we'll get right back into it. The Quad City's first and only fantasy football show, For Fantasy Sake, has you all covered when it comes to all of your fantasy football needs. The guys come to you live every Sunday morning during the football season from 10 to 11.30. They've got the best analysis, rankings, DFS, and gambling advice between The Rock and Mississippi Rivers. So tune in to For Fantasy Sake every Sunday during the football season from 10 to 11.30 a.m. on Facebook and YouTube. Welcome back. Let's get into the Northwest Upstate Illini. We'll start with the one non-conference game. It was Aurora Central Catholic getting the win 42-20 to over West Carroll. We'll jump into another game between two conference opponents. Dupec gets the big win, the shutout win, 47 to nothing over Dakota. Mitch, you ready for this stat line? Cooper Hoffman finds the end zone five times Friday night throws for 131 yards he also rushed for 99 yards as the rivermen get the big win mitch you start talking those kind of numbers that's that 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 could be helmet worthy is there is there an is there an award that we could uh give out for some kind of performance like that greg you know how about it i think we have our matthewson's mini helmets player of the week here in cooper hoffman congratulations to him what an effort the Rivermen get the big win. Jalen Noud had a receiving touchdown and a punt return touchdown as well. Dupec offense averaged seven yards per play, and the defense recorded their second consecutive shutout. The Rivermen lead the NUIC in points allowed with just 16. So great start to the season for this Rivermen squad that, you know, we knew they'd be right in the mix, and we certainly knew we'd be talking about Cooper Hoffman, and he, he gave us something to talk about this week. Yeah, this this is a, a great performance. So Dupec continues to look really, really good um, behind Troy Hoffman and, and all of the, the Rivermen on both sides of the ball. So you know we uh, we see performances like this from from him. It's you know it's nothing out of the out of the ordinary, but um, for a, for a big win against Dakota here, very worthy of Player of the Week honors. And congratulations to to him and to the Rivermen on a great week. Yep. So congratulations to Cooper Hoffman for winning the Matthewson's Mini Helmets Player of the Week. Of course, Matthewson's Mini Helmets, they're a proud sponsor of You From the West podcast. They offer totally custom mini helmets and decals for your school. You can find them on Facebook or on Twitter. That's, again, Matthewson's Mini Helmets. We appreciate their support, and we appreciate, uh, you know, the efforts from the players that have earned this Player of the Week. The latest, Cooper Hoffman. All right, Mitch. Fulton gets the 14 to six win over Eastland Pearl city steamers celebrate homecoming with their first win of 2023 Fulton was leading eight, six thanks to a second quarter touchdown from Jimmy Crimmins steamer quarterback, Dom Kramer connected with Trevor Teesman 
to extend the lead to 14 to six. The Wildcats would mount a late drive, but Fulton would recover an EPC fumble in their own territory with two minutes left to seal the win. This was a Fulton team that we knew had a lot of talent and they just ran into a couple buzz saws to start the year, but they, you know, they come away with the hard fought win here, the much needed win for the steamers. Yeah. Um, as you said, much, much needed. They'll have the chance to continue um, getting their winning ways here in the next couple weeks, tough game against Stockton and then Dakota team who seems to be reeling a little bit, but this was a good start for Fulton. Um, an EPC team that has seemingly played tough, just has not been able to, to, uh, to really get on the winning side of things. But um, for, for Fulton, you know, Kyle from NUIC football has, has stated to us before that this is a really young Fulton team. So to see them get that first win could be the first of many and uh, a good win for Coach Lower here. Yep. Moving right along, Lita Winslow gets the 48-20 to 20 win over Stockton. Gage Dunker goes for 190 yards rushing with three scores. Corbin Lynch added 90 yards and two scores as the Panthers win their 22nd consecutive NUIC Ooh. contest. Mitch, we're getting near rare air here. We're already in rare air, but we're getting near a conference record here. Yeah, so they sit, I think it's tied for fourth, maybe tied for fifth. Maybe, I don't know. Anyway, the record is 25, which was set by the 1997 Galena team. So, yeah, this, like you said, it's, it's rare territory in, in the history of the NUIC. Um, this is quite quite the, the accomplishment for the Panthers. Um, uh, again, at, at this point, what more can you say about what they continually do week after week? We talk about Gage Dunker a lot. You talk about uh, Coburn Lynch. How about the how about the punt team? They blocked a punt in the second quarter that they returned for a touchdown. So this is a Lena team that is just so disciplined, so good um, in in every phase of the game, and it's it's going to continually do them do them well. And in in one A that we know is so tough, you know, really looking forward to them continuing to showcase that, but tough games ahead, right? They, they've got Decatur St. Teresa, which is 0-3, the defending two-way state champs starting in, at 0-3, but then they've got, they've still got Dupec, um, they've still got Galena, they've still got Forreston. So, Forreston, yep. Um, while, while, while Lena Winslow is, has been doing what we expected them to do and have no signs of slowing down, they haven't had a real test yet, so um more to come from Lena, but again, it, it just seems like it's business as usual for them. Yep, yep. On the Stockton side of things, Brady Haas led the Blackhawks with 76 yards receiving and a touchdown. He was also the team's leading tackler with 16. So, you know, he was putting in great effort. Um, Stockton comes up a little short in this one. They're sitting at one and two right now, but that's still a team that I'm kind of keeping my eye on. I, I, I think them and Fulton in week four is probably we'll get to the matchups in a minute, but I think that's certainly the most intriguing um, two teams sitting at one and two that are, are hungry for a second win. Both have been playing well. Stockton's played well all season, really. Yeah. Um, certainly putting up 20 against Lena Winslow is no easy feat. So, you know um, yeah, uh, really looking forward to that one, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Yep. 
Forreston gets the 30 to 16 win over Galena. The Cardinals and the Pirates were tied at eight after the first quarter, but before Forreston would take over this game, Owen Mulder, Caleb Sanders combined for 153 yards, three scores as part of a rushing attack for the Cardinals that finished with 261 yards total. The Forreston defense, though, this is something I want to talk about. Forreston defense forced seven fumbles on the night. They recovered three of them. So, man, that is doing some work on the defensive side of the football for this Cardinals yep. team. Yeah, that you don't see that a lot. I had to do a double take when I saw the stat sheet um, from from that one. So, you know, the, the Glean has played well this season. Um, yep. I've, I've been impressed, impressed with their quarterback, Roman Romer. He was 8 of 16 on Friday, 119 yards and a touchdown pass that went to Josh McNett. But, um, you know, Glena at sitting at two and one, I think they've got plenty of opportunities to get, uh, to get into the playoffs this year. They play some team in Michigan this week. I have no idea what that is, but, um, you know, look at looking ahead, they've got, they're kind of the same boat as Lena where starting with Forreston, but certainly the first two weeks, they, they hadn't really played, they hadn't really been tested yet. So interesting to see how, how this season will shake up for Galena. I think they can get there, but again, it's, it's a tough road ahead. Yep. So in week four, they will go on the road to Sarnak, Michigan. Uh, like you said, they're two and one. I don't know how big of a school they are. I went, I, yeah, I went on the, the Michigan High School Athletic Association website to find that information, but I don't know anything about their opponents. So not sure how they found that game. Like we talked about earlier, originally it was going to be Galena and Newman, which would have yeah. been a 1A classic matchup. Yeah. Um, so again, don't know the circumstances, don't know how they found a team in Michigan, but yeah, we'll see what happens there, uh, this week. Yep. Other matchups in the Northwest upstate Illini, Dakota at Lena Winslow, Forreston taking on Eastland Pearl city, Fulton at Stockton and Dupec at West Carroll. I think, yeah. I mean, the real matchup here is Fulton at Stockton. I think. Yeah, like, like like I was just saying, two one-and-two teams that are hungry, two one-and-two teams that have played well, just have had a, a tough road of, of opening opponents. So, yeah, I, I think this will really tell the story of how each of their seasons is going to shake out. So, um, tough, tough place to go to Stockton. Uh, I've mentioned there I love playing there. So, yeah, looking forward to that one. I, I think – I, I don't think maybe the Galena game because we don't know anything about Sarnak, but I think the other four games, three games are, we can probably predict what's going to happen there. So I think Fulton and Stockton is a toss up and looking forward to seeing how it shakes out. Yep. All right. We ready to jump into eight man and wrap up this week. Yep. All right. In the eight man ranks, looking back at last week, one of the better matchups that you'll see all season long Milledgeville takes down Polo 58 to 22 in that rivalry. Mitch, the battle of the blacktop. It was number yep. two versus number three in the in the state rankings for eight-man football. It was Connor Nye versus Brock Solto. And it's Milledgeville coming away with the big win here. On Milledgeville's opening drive, a fumble and a penalty made it fourth and 11. But Connor Nye hooks up with Micah Tom Smith. They go 13 yards to get a first down. The next play they linked up on a 22-yard score to take an 8 to nothing lead. Milledgeville had 305 yards rushing. Tom Smith and Johnson both had over 100. Connor Nye 
completed four, only had four completions, but it was good for 136 yards passing and three touchdowns. On the other side of things, Solto, still impressive in the loss. He had 100 yards rushing, 64 yards receiving. Uh, Dewey caught five balls for 109 yards, and Meridian at quarterback was 14 of 23, 138 yards and one touchdown. So a lot of talent on both sides of the ball here. This is a game I would have loved to have been at, but, you know, I, you know, had to be, can't be three places at once. So I wish I could, but uh, great, Matt, great win here for Milledgeville. I think they're proving to, you know, be one of the better teams in the state in the eight man level. Yeah. Coach Robles got, got them playing really, really well. So this is an impressive game. We we were looking forward to seeing Connor and I and Brock Soltow. So, um, but Milledgeville is, is playing really, really good. Um, I, did they, I'd have to look at the schedules. Do they, do you know if Amboy plays or sorry, if Milledgeville plays Amboy? In the I believe season? they yeah. do. Yeah. Cause they're both in the same, um, in the same division. So okay. they will play Milledgeville looks like in week uh, four, five, six. Okay. There's yep. a lot of good games in week six. That'll be a, that'll be a fun recap show. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, speaking of Amboy, Mitch, we thought maybe, maybe this would be Amboy's first test of the season. Going on the road to Martinsville, a team that made the playoffs a year ago. Not, exa- <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly a test. Amboy gets the win 60-8 to over Martinsville. For Amboy, it's their third straight game with a running clock. Landon Welchel, 138 yards, two touchdowns. Quinn Leffelman, 118 yards, three touchdowns. This Clippers squad continues to roll. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't think I have any more to add to that there, Greg. Um, their, their quarterback, Eddie Jones, 3 of 4, 171 yards, two scores. Uh, Brennan Blaine, who we, we talked about for the last couple of years, two receptions, 124 yards, and a touchdown. So, yeah, this um, Amboy team just continues to roll, as you mentioned. We thought, um, you know, maybe – Right. Maybe they're going on the road, but no, there, there just seems to be no, no slowing them down. So a great season there out in Amboy, Lamoil area. Yep. Let's run down the rest of the scores here. River Ridge gets the close win 43 40 over Orangeville Ridgewood continues to roll along. The Spartans get the win 40 to 16 over Decatur unity. Peoria Heights gets the win 56 to 38 over West central and Bushnell Prairie city. Gets the win 57-7 to over Galva. We'll look at the matchups in week four. Galva goes up against Alden Hebron. You have Ridgewood going up against Polo. So that's a battle of 3-0 Ridgewood and 2-1 Polo. West Central goes at Pawnee. You have Blue Ridge up against River Ridge. Milledgeville will be at home hosting Orangeville. You have Ridgewood. Oh, yeah. I already said Ridgewood will be taking on Polo and Amboy will take on Quest Academy. So uh, that Ridgeview Polo game. There you go. You know, we've we've seen what Ridgewood has done going back to last year. They've been really impressive, you know, but this will certainly be a test for them. They will play Polo. This will be a test for them. But then next week they will play against Amboy. They have both games at home. Yeah, did you ever go to a game at Cambridge, Mitch? Oh boy. Into that bowl. I don't think, 
I don't think so. No. It's like right behind the high school, Cambridge high school. It's, it's set down into a little bowl setting. It's a beautiful place to see a game. I think they usually do their homecoming game on Saturday. So it's always kind of that traditional, you know, Saturday afternoon in the bowl. That's a yep. great place to see a game. So they'll be at home the next two weeks and they'll be, they'll be challenged. You know, they, they've come away with pretty convincing, well, very convincing wins so far. Um, but a couple of those teams are now sitting at 0-3. So they're going to yep. be tested and we'll find out, you know, where they sit. I'm intrigued to see where they end up. Milledgeville looks to remain unbeaten when they take on rival Orangeville. I think Amboy, I look for them to keep doing what they've been doing against Quest Academy, who's 0-3. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I think the next few weeks get really interesting in eight-man. Yeah, looking at looking at Kyle's um, eight-man state rankings that he just put out about an hour ago, Amboy retains their top spot at 3-0. Milledgeville is at 3-0 at the number two spot. Ridgewood at, the, at number three. They're undefeated. Yep. Polo four, St. Thomas Moore five followed by South Beloit, West Prairie, Milford, Cisna Park, Martinsville, and Pawnee. So, yeah, looking at that uh, Ridgewood polo game, that'll be the 3-4 matchup this week. So um, we talk about it a lot, that there are a lot of great games, highly ranked teams that have to play each other in the regular season here in eight-man. And it's somewhat of a preview because we might see rematches in the playoffs. So, um, you know, great, great game uh, between Milledgeville and Polo, and I think we're just going to continue to see them one or two, maybe even three every week here all the way out. Yep. Uh, Mitch, I think I have my eye on my first eight-man game this season. Oh. I think I'm going to start one of my favorite swings, one of my favorite Friday nights. I think okay. I'm going to start in Milledgeville, catch the beginning of Milledgeville and Orangeville, and then head mm -hmm. into Sterling, head into Roscoe Eads, and catch uh, Sterling hosting Galesburg. And I think that's okay. going to be my Friday night. So Okay. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Mitch, what game are you excited to watch? What game are you going to follow along with on Friday? Oh, boy. Let's see if I have to – I got to pick one to watch. I like, I like to do that. I, I, I try and watch one primary game and then, you know, between quarters or whatever, yep. try and flip between the two. Because I think, at least on my tablet, um, NFHS stopped showing ads. Oh. If you switch to games. Um it might still do it on the computer. I don't know, but I know on my tablet, it did not do that. So that is a nice feature. Yeah. Um, in Western big six, I, I really, I really am looking forward to seeing what rock Island and Newman put on the field. Um, certainly Quincy and Moline have more implications. Um, looking at the track rock Ridge at Sherrard. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be a good one. Uh, going down um, to the LLC, Mercer, Mercer County Mercer and County, Farmington. Mercer, yeah, Mercer County, Farmington, Fulton Stockton, and the NUIC. Yep. If I had to pick one to focus on, again, I, I would say I'm going to watch Newman and Rock Island just because I'm so intrigued by it. But I think yeah. in terms of what of what it could mean potentially for conference play, I think Quincy and Moline is probably where I'll watch. There you go. Yep. Yep. That's, that's a good one. Yep. All right. But again, there's, there's a lot to choose from in that kind of deciding factor. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I, I, I think that'll probably where my, my eyes, my eyes go. All right. Well, of course, as you all know, 
Mitch will have him covered on Twitter. Have you covered on the X at view from West pod. Make sure you're following along. If you're not already scores and numbers and updates and all the things. And uh, also, Mitch, also quick, quick yeah. quickly, you know, I, I, I certainly appreciate um, kind of the, um, I don't want to say it. It's a community effort on Fridays and, and stockpile can yep. attest to this, that we, we ask for scores in all places that we, you know, have a hard time finding them. So if, if I, I think I sent out, I was looking for the Rova Williamsfield score. I think I was looking for the Elmwood Broomfield score. And if you just throw something out there, someone sees it and, and can respond to it. So um, I really appreciate if, if we're having trouble finding a game um, that the, the Twitter community and the listeners and, and the fans, whomever are right there to, to give us those score updates. Cause again, for us, it's one thing stockpile could tell you from years of doing it um yes. how, how crucial that is to putting together a good production and making sure that we get the right information out so we can cover the team so um to all the listeners and to all the followers a big thank you for for your help being a part of of making friday um making friday fun and getting those score updates well twitter twitter has been a game changer over the past however many years it's been now uh, you yeah. know, gone, gone are the days where uh, Brian Stocking has to call the local watering hole in, you know, right. Fulton or Amboy or wherever to, you know, right. get somebody, you know, somebody who may have been at the game and then yeah, wandered gotta in. Call, so. Got to call Manny's in Fulton to see. If, <laughs> if yeah, that was how it was done. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's when back when TV was TV. So. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> boy, it's so. All right. Well, Mitch, thank you so much for being here. And Mitch, you, you know, you can probably become a regular on the instant reacts now if we, uh, you yeah. know, set up the tech the right way or. Yeah. When it, and you do it at 1 a.m. Well, you know, I know it, it kills you. You don't have to be, but it's fun to yeah, have you, you in there. You, now, see, I, I will join if you guys figure out your audio there at the score because. Yeah, it was a little in, rough. You guys were almost in different zip codes trying to figure that out on Friday night. Yeah, stocking so. sounded like he was like trapped in a suitcase and. Cuffler sounded like he was a mile away from his microphone. So. <laughs> Dazzo, think... of all people, Dazzo, of all people, had the best audio. So yeah, well, when, that's, yeah. when that's the case, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, we appreciate everyone who listens in, who follows along during the week. And uh... oh, wait a minute! Wait a minute! Oh yeah, I have a bone. I have a bone to pick with you. Oh, here we. Okay. You did not mention that the goat was at uh, the score on Friday night. Who? Who? I'm talking about Duke. Oh uh, yeah, yes, yes. Duke Schneider from Saint from Saint Ambrose. Uh, you know, long time St. SAU TV, uh, you know, operations manager, Mr. Everything in uh, SAU TV and video. Well, and with, with, uh, what's it, is it Mediacom TV that he covers? Yeah. So he, he helps out Mediacom and they were at Moline. And so right after the game, they just headed up the road to, uh, catch a little bit of the broadcast. So what man you talk about, like all time, great guys, just all time, great person. Duke Schneider, Don Schneider from St. Ambrose's is awesome. In, so in the in the in the hallway hall of fame of Quad City Media, Duke is is right in there. So he's a he's a great he's a great person. So I, I did happen to see that. So good yeah. to see him uh, near the set, and and certainly uh, good to see him still uh, on the sidelines covering games. So you know, as long as you since you brought it up, 
a little peek behind the curtain. And for listeners who don't know, my my full time, a real job outside of you know talking to you every week is uh, mm-hmm. is I teach I teach media production classes at St Ambrose University. So I took over when Duke Schneider retired, the man we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And Mitch, I cannot tell you how many times when somebody asks me what I do, where I work, the easiest thing to say is, "Oh, I'm the new Duke." That's yeah. <laughs> That's- and here's here's your bit of trivia that you probably don't know. Uh, he got me at the highlight zone he was the reason behind it i i think i did know that was so you were friends you were friends with some people in the program right right i was not in tv or or communications yeah um, but he was able to get us get us in so yeah uh always always grateful for duke for that so we actually owe we owe duke a debt of gratitude because if not for him we may not have ever met and then maybe this podcast never exists and, you know, I would say we get him on the pod, but he covers Iowa and that's just not our thing. So, <laughs> yeah, he's he, he does. Mediacom does a lot of Illinois games, though. So, you know, OK, he seems to always be at Brady Street. So, that's, you know, yeah. we, can't have, we can't have that on this podcast. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks to everyone who listens. Mitch, thanks so much for uh, all the efforts you put in during the week to get these notes ready and get everything looking great on Twitter. And uh We will see everyone next week when we're talking about week four and looking ahead to week five. That sounds crazy to say, but here's that's where we are. So thank you so much. We'll see you then. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, viewfromwestpod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.